Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. I, will, I, will share, I, I say briefly, I won't lie to you, I'll try and do it briefly, but it's, it's something that God's put on my heart to share this morning, and which I'm excited to bring, which is, I'm, I am excited to bring because I feel like for a lot of us it is stuff we know. You know, and the, one of the big things with Christianity is moving it from our head to our hearts, right? And it's totally different when it's in your heart because you're moving, you're living, it's, it's, it's being acted out. It's not just information in your head. And I feel like what I'm going to share and bring this morning, and even Easter for us, a lot of us know the truths that come with Easter. The resurrection being death defeated, sin defeated. But it's actually another thing to walk in a lifestyle, believing that and seeing the fruit of that lived out. So let's, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And Father, we we join with creation this morning and praise your holy name. Our hearts bow before you, Jesus, at the work of the cross. Souls, how you made a way for us to enter into eternity and relationship with you. And Father, today I pray that we would each encounter the spirit of revelation to change the way we think, to change the way we live, that we would move more like you, think more like you, love more like you, talk more like you. And Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Oh Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer, be glorified in this place today, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, again, I'm, again, I'm just kind of like, oh, where, where do I start now? You know, what do you guys want to hear? But I'm going to go, we're going to go for what the Lord has led me to. And it starts, actually, it may seem a bit like I'm talking from Good Friday, but that's where it really begins, right? That's where it really, the crux of everything is. So we're going to read together from John 19. Okay, with Jesus' words on the cross. It's John 19. It should be up on the screen behind us. Look at that. Amy Barnett coming in with the goods. So, John 19, verse 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge of sour wine. Now just notice right here, we sang in Christ alone that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Okay, so in the Old Testament, there's a, there's, a, there's a cup of God's wrath. And Jesus drinking this on the cross was him drinking in the cup of God's wrath. So that was the symbolism, and that was the supernatural, supernatural power of him taking on the wrath of God by drinking on that cross there and then. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now today, I want to ask the question to you, and you all know the right answer to this, and I'm not expecting you to respond, but the question is this. Did Jesus fulfill everything he came to fulfill? Did he complete his task? Did he he finish his mission? And we can confidently say this, yes, he did, right? He did completely fulfill his mission. And I want to unpack this morning two parts of that that line it is finished the very last words of God before he rose again on the cross it is finished 
that then leads into the resurrection. But we're going to cover a couple of things this morning of what is truly finished. Okay? You excited? I'm assuming you're all smiling behind your masks and you're all so excited and not gritting your teeth in anger towards me. So Jesus had a mission, right? And because Jesus had a mission, that means you and I have a mission. We, no matter how far you try and run from it, you are a missional people. From the very beginning, God called Abraham to be a missional man. And from the very get-go, Jesus got his disciples being missionaries. And even after his ascension, he called them to go to the ends of the earth. And Jesus modeled what it was to look like to be a missionary. Not just to the ends of the earth, but in his hometown where he lived. In the last, the least, the lost, the broken, the Pharisees. And because Christ came and modeled a missionary lifestyle, that, that is something you and I must take up. And I want to say this as a little side note, okay, because I feel like some people may need to hear this online or whatever. I feel a lot, I, I mean, I've been in Christian ministry for, I mean, full-time 10 years, and I've seen a lot of people that wait for the green light to go and do missions or to go out on the streets and all this kind of stuff. But let me tell you that God has already given you the green light. He's already told you to go. Stop waiting for him to tell you to go to the nations. He's already told you to go. And for us to take up the lifestyle of Paul, which was this. Unless God says no, go. Unless God says no, go. He would say, oh, I didn't go to so-and-so because the Holy Spirit stopped me. Okay, so I, want to t- I just want to encourage you today. If you're in a place where you're battling or whether to go and you're, you're just waiting for the green light, let me just tell you he's already given you the green light. And he'll bless you along the way. So coming back to the path that I'm on, did Jesus fulfill his mission on earth? Okay. And we're going to look at one of these missions that he took upon himself on coming to earth. And we're going to read that in 1 John 3, verse 8. Are you ready? This is exciting. I love this. The Son of God came. Okay, so Jesus came to earth. One of his missions on earth. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Let me say that again. The Son of God came, one of his missions here on earth was to destroy the works of the devil. Do we know what that word destroy means? Completely obliterate, to end. In the English dictionary it says to end the existence of something by damaging it or attacking it. To defeat someone utterly. So one of the works of Jesus coming to this earth was to defeat and destroy the works of the devil. And you may think, yeah, Nathan, we know this. But I know for myself, and I see in people's lives around me, this isn't always lived out. The devil is usually feared. He's usually seen as someone who's very powerful. When actually, if we're going by scripture, Just from this line and this line alone, we're looking at the devil that is destroyed and obliterated and has no power, no authority, it's completely finished. So I want us to start thinking about the way we look at spiritual warfare. I want to start changing the way we see the enemy. Okay. And the Bible tells us that Jesus went about doing good. Okay, so we went about doing good to everywhere, everywhere he went. And we know that the Bible tells us, I think it's in Corinthians, that he says that we overcome evil by doing good. So every bit of Jesus' lifestyle, it was almost like a punch after punch after punch after punch, raising the dead, healing the sick, loving the people that the religious people weren't interested in. 
setting people free or just little punches and little punches and little punches to the works of the enemy, just these actions of doing good. I don't believe that Jesus set out looking for demons to destroy. I believe that he, had, he adapted appropriately when things came up. Right? You with me? I don't believe he set out hunting for demons. I believe that he went out loving people, following the voice of his father, being led by the spirit, and he acted appropriately when things manifested. So for you and I, I don't believe our motive should ever be to go chase down demons. We should always be to love people, always be to follow the will of the Father. But if things come up, we deal with it appropriately, just like Jesus. And Jesus was obviously causing a lot of damage to the enemy, to the darkness. So what did the darkness try and do? It tried to take him out. And he thought he won. He thought he gave Jesus the final blow with the death on the cross. He thought he was finished. He thought he'd won. He thought he'd done it. But what he didn't realize, that was Jesus' final, final knockout blow to the works of the enemy. Are you with me? We're going to read from 1 Colossians 2.15 in the Passion Translation. Are you ready? Okay. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power. Let me read that again. Then Jesus, okay, on the cross, made a public spectacle of all the powers. So the devil thought he was making a public spectacle of Jesus, when actually Jesus was making a public spectacle of the devil. So Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers. This says everything, all the powers, everything, and the principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power. This is the word of God that we stand on. So the enemy right here has been completely disarmed completely and utterly defeated, completely and utterly destroyed. And not only that, it says, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. Now, I like that. That's humiliating. And you know, God is, Jesus is the lamb, but he's also the lion. He's also the lion. And there's confidence in that. There's confidence around parading his, his victory on a cross. And the last verses here, I don't know if it's on the screen, but it says, he was not their prisoner, they were his. And I'd love to talk about this a lot longer than I have this morning. But these verses right here are the ones that we stand on, that actually when we're viewing this thing, are we viewing something that is empowered, more powerful than us or for you and for me? Or are we viewing it from the eyes of the word of God, the Bible, that someone is completely and utterly defeated, destroyed, his works are no longer valid or done? And we Revelation 12, where it says Revelation 12, ready? Okay, I know you guys are excited. I can see your body language. If you're on the edge of your seat, just calm it down, all right? Just calm it down. Revelation 12, they conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb. They conquered him. Okay, if you read Revelation 12, they're talking about the dragon. The dragon being Satan. And what was he done? He was, he was, what was, he was completely conquered by the blood on that cross 2,000 years ago. So what does that mean for us today? If someone was defeated 2,000 years ago, I've never known an army to set out against an army that's already been defeated. Are you with me? I've never known a nation to go against another nation that's already been defeated and done and finished. 
because it was completely, completely and utterly conquered, demolished, destroyed on the cross through the blood of the Lamb by Jesus. And what does that mean for our warfare right now? And for me, this is something I'm still working out, but from a biblical perspective, I believe all it takes is remaining in Christ. Remaining rooted and remaining in Christ. I believe it's Revelation 19 talks about Jesus riding on the horse and his, his robe was dipped in blood. His robe was dipped in blood so ours didn't need to be. Therefore, we remain in Christ. He fights our battles for us. He who does it for us. We remain in Christ and the rest will follow. Psalm 91 if you want that to be backed up. So for us today, because we know that the devil has conquered, he was destroyed, his works are finished, okay, that also means the source of sin was completely destroyed and completely finished. And the reason I'm telling this today, because for myself and for so many people I've seen around me, there's these battles that still go on with these things that are completely finished on the cross. Are you with me? And for us, I want to just encourage us to step into a new level of understanding and maturity and faith that we actually walk out of something that doesn't even have a hold upon us anymore. We heard from, from Ruth about um, the Passover, right? We heard she, did, she, she carried the Passover lamb. And I, I want to talk a little bit this morning about Yom Kippur. Does anybody know anything about Yom Kippur? So Yom Kippur was the, is, is the holiest holiday in Judaism. Okay? It happens in September. It's the day where everyone kind of comes out of their closets to repent and try and get right with God. You know, even if they haven't been doing it the rest of the year. They come out of their, every nook and cranny to, to ask for forgiveness. They do good things to their neighbors to try and get right with God. And if you read in Leviticus 16, you'll read where this originates from. And the originating of... Aaron, the high priest, taking on the sacrifice of the two goats. Okay, so the Passover is the lamb, and we know that Jesus is the lamb, but equally we've got two goats here within Yom Kippur. It's usually celebrated in September. And what would happen in Yom Kippur is that the one goat would be taken to be sacrificed, and another goat was taken and, and sent away. So one was the atonement of the people's sins, the other one was taken by the high priest and led into the desert. And when it got to the desert, what the high priest would do, it would lay his hands upon the goat as, a, as an act of laying all the sins of the people upon the goat. Okay? So his hands would go on the goat and all the sins would be placed into this goat and this goat would be led into the desert and to eventually destroyed and killed. With that goat dying, all the sin of the people gone with him. Jesus is our scapegoat. All the sins of you and me and the world and the history were all placed upon him and they were destroyed with him and overcome with him on the cross. And for us, in Leviticus 16, we know that, we, like I said, that the, the, the sins of the people were transmitted into the goat, right? So for that, I say to you, never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of things in the physical that can affect the spiritual realm. So Jesus, our Messiah, Jesus, our King, the resurrected Savior, took upon all our sins and destroyed them on the cross. So we've got two things here that are destroyed. Number one, the works of the devil. Number two, sin destroyed on the shoulders of Jesus.
What does that mean for you and for me moving forward in this day? It means liberty. It means freedom. You know, the amazing thing that they, they recorded in the year that Jesus was crucified is not only the veil was torn, but within the temple there were two doors. Two doors that needed about 14 or 15 people to, hold, to push them open. And when Jesus was crucified, they found these doors permanently left open. So again, there was another open way, another gateway for people to enter into the, heavenly, into the holy place. And secondly, in that same year, it's documented that the, scape, the, the goat that was due to have the sins of the people placed upon them, he escaped. There was no scapegoat that year because Jesus was that goat. And that's not a coincidence. There was no goat sacrificed that year, that same year that Jesus died because that goat escaped. It's been recorded that a goat was escaped and was no longer, they couldn't use it. Because Jesus took it all upon himself, the sin of you and for me upon himself moving forward, which is good news. I'll give you some biblical references for this as well, right? Romans 6. I'd encourage you to read the whole of Romans 6 because it talks about the whole obliteration of sin as well. But we're, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quick fire through these for you. Romans 6 verse 2. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Romans 6 verse 6. We know that our own sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. 6.11, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. 6.14, since no longer your, ma- your master, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Romans 6.21, but now, as God's loving servants, you live in the joyous freedom from the power of sin. So consider yourselves dead. So consider the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. Can you repeat after me? I'm free from sin. Can we say it like we mean it? What, you ready? I'm free from sin. That's better. That's good. Because you are. This is the word of God. This is the world of what we stand upon. He was the scapegoat that destroyed the works of the enemy and he destroyed sin on the cross. So therefore, you and I moving forward, we've got nothing holding us back. We've got nothing holding us back. Sin has no hold on us. The curses have no hold on us because Jesus Christ, the risen Messiah, fulfilled it all for us. You know, Christianity is null and void if the resurrection didn't happen. He backed it all up by his resurrection and by his power. Which is good news. And you know what? I think heaven is probably still having a party at that news. Do you not think? I think the party's still going on. Why? Because he overcame. He overcame the blood of the lamb. He overcame the one that was responsible for all the death, all the deceit, all the perversion, all the murder. It was the greatest victory to ever happen. Jesus Christ defeated the devil. He finished the works of the devil. 
therefore moving forward for you and I that is the ground that we stand upon we stand upon the armor of we stand within the armor of God and we stand upon the word of God and we stand within Jesus Christ our God who defeated the devil and all of his works so that we don't have to fear the devil anymore he's the one that fears us why because we stand in Jesus we stand behind the white rider whose robe is dipped in blood And we are the ones that are free from the devil's hold. Just coming into end, we're going to read 1 Colossians 2. We're going to go back to what I'd read before. But it's just the, the verse before, 2.14. you ready? It's going to be another exciting one for you. I know you're all very excited. He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all that they cannot be, now that they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross, now permanently there as a public display of cancellation. I know you're all smiling with joy. I know you're all smiling with joy behind these masks. Let this change the way we live. Let this change the way we move. Let this change the way we do prayer. Let this change the way that we, we live and move and have our being within Jesus. Let's change the way that we see the atmosphere of heaven. Because the good news is that the enemy, enemy is finished. He was finished 2,000 years ago by the blood of a lamb. Your sin was finished 2,000 years ago by the blood of a lamb, by that scapegoat, Jesus Christ, who took it all upon himself, that you would be free, that I would be free. So church, no longer do we fear the devil. Amen? No longer do we fear sin's hold upon us. We don't, we don't fear that we're going to step into sin. We stand on the word of God. We stand upon the word of God that says you're free. That says you're delivered. And heaven says, join the party, guys. Come on, join the party. And I'll tell you why there's a party again, just to remind you, in case you haven't got the message. He won. He got the victory. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. Defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Let's pray, shall we? Hallelujah, Jesus. We raise a hallelujah in this place today, Father. We raise a hallelujah to your name, O Jesus. We thank you, Father, for what you've done, and we praise you for defeating the one who is against us. We praise you, Father, for making us victorious, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for removing our sin, that we are always and will forever be free from sin. Father, we thank you that there's nothing holding us back. And we praise you, Lord, and this morning, within our hearts and within this atmosphere, we just invite the atmosphere of heaven. Would we, we say, heaven, invade this place, invade this church. Heaven come and let us be caught up in the atmosphere of praise and adoration to the lamb that was slain. 
May we be caught up with the party that is being outplayed in heaven as we speak. In joy and celebration for the defeated works of the devil. In joy and celebration that we now can enter into eternity by the blood of the Lamb. We can now have access to our Father, our Maker. And Jesus, I pray that anybody doesn't feel free, you would make them free. Anyone online right now that doesn't know you, Father, would you meet with them in power and may their hearts come to you? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Father, we just speak your freedom into this room, into this church, into our lives. In the mighty name of Yahweh, in the mighty name of Yeshua Jesus, we step into freedom by faith. We we step into Jesus by faith. And we raise our hallelujah, we raise our banner for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world. What can we say but thank you? Glory to your name, Jesus. Let heaven come. We welcome heaven in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we stand.